The scripture for today is Hebrews 11, verses 1 through to 6. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is God's word. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for all that you're doing in our church, for all the ways that through Reality Church London, the beauty of Jesus is being made known in our city. And so we pray that you'd continue to sustain us and guide us and give us favor. And Lord, now as a church, as we turn our attention for a few weeks to the topic of faith, and as we look at Hebrews 11, we ask that you would give us insight and understanding. And even as the disciples prayed, increase our faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. How do you navigate life's hardest moments. When you're faced with a big decision, a crossroad in your life, how do you decide what to do? In early 2020, Michelle and I, my wife, were deciding, praying about, thinking about whether or not we would move to London from New York to lead this church. We were about to have our first baby. And as you all know, in early 2020, Everything changed. COVID swept over the world. And so we were thinking about leaving home and leaving family in a crazy time with a new child to be part of a church we didn't know, but we knew was beautiful. And it was exciting and it was really scary. So I was talking with a friend, kind of a mentor, about all the stuff we were thinking about. And he looked at me and he said, you know, Bijan, God will never call you to do something that you could do on your own without faith. God will never call you to do something that you could do on your own without faith. And that is what we're gonna be talking about for the next four weeks. Why is that true? That faith is a essential part of the Christian life. If you wanted to describe a Christian, you could say a Christian is someone who lives by faith who walks by faith. And I don't just mean faith to move from one country to another to lead a church. I mean faith for every single day. Faith for every moment. It's faith that can rest in God even though that chronic illness never goes away. And it makes every day harder than it should be. Faith that can trust God is enough for you, 
even when you don't get the relationship that you really want. Faith that allows you, that leads you to say no to something because you know that if you get it, it will numb your taste buds to the things of God. Faith to keep working hard and excellently, even though unfairly you keep getting passed over for a promotion, but you choose to work hard and to work well for the glory of God. Or faith in God's justice that enables you to love and to forgive somebody who's hurt you. A Christian is someone who walks by faith, who lives by faith every single day. And so what we're going to be doing for the next month is looking at Hebrews chapter 11. Because in this chapter, what we see are faith stories. Examples from the history of the people of God, of men and women who lived by faith, who risked everything on faith. That's what we're going to be looking at because we want to be a church filled with people of faith. We want to be a church filled with people who risk everything on God. And so today, our sermon is going to be a kind of overview. And then each week over the next month, we'll go deeper into a certain aspect of faith. But today, a kind of intro and overview. Here's what we're going to see. What faith is not, what faith is, and where faith comes from. So what faith is not, what faith is, and where faith comes from. So first, what is faith not. It's important to start here because we have to clear some cobwebs that might be in our minds that create mistaken thinking about faith. So hear me, faith is not blind trust or wishful thinking. Faith is not the opposite of reason or understanding. So look with me if you would, verse three of our passage. The author says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So the author is thinking about the book of Genesis. He's thinking about the creation of everything. And he says, by faith, we understand that God made it all, that the origin of everything is in God, that he's the creator. But look again carefully at what the author is saying. By faith, we understand, not faith, Therefore, we hope or we believe, but by faith, we understand. That word understand literally means to perceive with the mind. It means to reason. It means to think or to ponder or to consider. And so what the author is trying to show us is that faith is not something you have instead of thinking or instead of reason. Faith is actually the result of thinking and reasoning. And he gives the example about actually the belief in the universe itself. Sometimes I talk with people, maybe you do too, maybe you're here today, and people sometimes say something like this, oh, I'm not really into faith, I'm not really into religion, I'm into science, I'm into what you can prove, what you can touch, what you can know. And I would gently say to you, if you're here, to those friends that you might talk to, that actually everyone lives by faith. Because at some level, nothing can really be proven, at least that stuff that's outside of a laboratory, nothing can really be proven with absolute certainty. And let me give you the example of the universe itself. So the author says, by faith, we consider, perceive, understand the universe was made at God's command. Do you know how big our universe is? The sun, which is the star of our solar system, 
is 93 million miles away from Earth. That means if you got in a car right now and you drove at 65 miles per hour without stopping for petrol on the way, it would take you 63, 163 years to get there. And that's close. If you were to go not to the sun, but if you were to go just to Pluto, the farthest planet in our solar system, at 65 miles an hour, you would be driving for 6,500 years. And that's just our solar system. Scientists estimate that in the universe, there's about 200 billion trillion stars, 200 billion suns out there. Uh, That number is a little too big for us to wrap our heads around. But here's an illustration. If you were to take a cup and you were to start emptying out the cup, the water that's in all the oceans of our world, all those cups multiply by 10 and that's how many stars there are in the universe. Now, the question scientists ask is this. In a universe that vast, much bigger than we can comprehend, what are the odds that life on a tiny little planet in one little solar system just happened? That it just randomly through a series of events came about. And one scientific journal answers that question like this. As scientists study the fundamental principles that govern our universe, they have discovered that the odds of a universe like ours being compatible with life are astronomically low. We can model what the universe would have looked like if it's constants, like the strength of gravity, the mass of an electron, the cosmological constant had been slightly different. And what has become clear is that across a huge range of these constants, they would have had to have been pretty much exactly the values they were in order for life to be possible. So physicist Lee Smolin has calculated that the odds of life compatible numbers coming up by chance is one in 10 to the 229th power. Also a very big number. And what's the point? It's actually more of a leap of faith and more wishful thinking to that think that the universe just happened than it is to believe by faith that a creator God made it all. And what Hebrews is trying to say is it's now going to lay out a description of people who live their whole life by faith. The first thing the author is trying to help us see, the first example he gives is to say to each of us, faith is not the opposite of thinking. It's the result of thinking. Faith is actually looking at the world. It's opening your eyes to a degree you've never have, looking at all the evidence and concluding the thing that makes the most sense is belief in a creator God who made it all and who sustains it. So what is faith not? Wishful thinking or blind trust. But that leads us to ask, well, then what is faith? And the author tells us, verse one of our passage, the definition he gives of faith, it's not meant to be totally comprehensive, but it's his aspect of looking at faith. He says in verse one, faith is confidence in what we hope for and it's assurance about what we do not see. Now, the trouble with that definition is it needs a definition. That's what happened with kids a lot, right? They ask you, what does that mean? And you tell them and they're like, well, you got to explain that too. And this is a definition of faith that needs a definition. So let's jump into it for just a minute. The first thing the author says is that faith is looking at things that are future, what we hope for, and things that are unseen, not unreal, but unseen. 
And second, the passage also tells us that faith is confidence or it's assurance about those things. One word that you could use to summarize confidence and assurance is trust. So if I were to try to take this verse and give you an even simpler definition of faith, here it is. Faith is trusting that God is really there and that his promises are really true. That's what it means to live by faith. To believe that God is there and that you can trust everything he said. That's a life of faith. And do you know why this matters? Why do you need faith? Why is faith such an important part of the Christian life? Because many times throughout life, it doesn't actually feel like God is out there. And his promises don't feel like they're really true. And that's why faith matters as much as it does. Some of you were here a year ago when we studied through the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a prophet and his was a really hard life. All kinds of suffering in his life and around him. And it led him into a kind of spiritual crisis, spiritual doubt. And he was not able to reconcile or make sense of what he was experiencing in his life with what he thought he knew about God. Have you ever been there? You look at what's happening in your life or the world and you're trying to connect it with what you think you know about God and it doesn't make sense. And that's where Habakkuk was. And so Habakkuk kind of plants his feet and he says, God, you have to speak to me. You have to help me figure this out. And God says to Habakkuk, the just will live by faith. Which is God's way of saying, you have to trust me even when it doesn't make sense. Because so much of life doesn't. And so much of life won't. And so when Habakkuk comes to God and says, I can't make sense of the challenges I'm facing. God says to him, faith is the way to trust me. And as a result, Habakkuk's circumstances don't change, but he does. And he becomes a person who's able to live with more peace and with more hope. Because he's recognized that God was inviting him into a journey of faith. But it's not just the Bible stories. It's not just Habakkuk. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is one of my heroes, one of my examples of faith. Many of you know Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. working tirelessly for racial justice. And as he did so, he received all kinds of hostility and opposition and threat. Literally, as he began leading the civil rights movement, people writing hate mail to his home, threatening his family, calling him all hours of the night, saying nasty, racist, evil things. So one night after an incredibly long day, Dr. King has just crawled into bed. He's just about to doze off and the phone rings. And on the other line is a evil voice saying despicable things to him threatening him and his family. Dr. King hangs up the phone and he can't sleep. He goes in the middle of the night, makes some coffee and he wants to quit. He wants to give up. He's trying to, he's trying to think, how do I give over leadership of this movement to somebody else and just sort of exit quietly? Because he can't do it anymore. And he prays. And he says, in that moment, God spoke to him. Not a magical, mystical voice, but the truth of scripture, God spoke to him. And says, stand up for truth, stand up for righteousness. I'm with you and I will never leave you. And Dr. King says in that moment, he felt peace. He went to sleep and he carried on his work. And three days after that night of his prayer and his surrender to God, his home was bombed. 
And Dr. King says, reflecting on all of that, strangely enough, I accepted the word of the bombing calmly. My experience with God had given me a new strength and trust. I knew now that God is able to give the interior resources to face the storms of life. God is able. It is faith in him that we must rediscover. With this faith, we can transform bleak and desolate valleys into sunlit paths of joy. Come what may, God is able. Or Corey Ten Boom, another hero of mine. I'll tell you more about her story in the coming weeks, but it was faith, faith in God's justice that enabled her to look into the eyes of a man who was responsible for her sister's death and say to him, I forgive you, faith. Or the example that's most personal to me and probably the hardest for me to talk about when I was a new pastor, I was visiting with a couple and their four-year-old son had cancer. And this little boy had great faith. His parents had great faith and they knew that God could heal him. They believed and they prayed and they pleaded for God's healing and the boy died. He died when he was five years old. And, you know, it takes faith to believe that God can heal, and it takes even greater faith to keep trusting him when he doesn't. And to see them come to church the next Sunday and every Sunday thereafter and praise God, it was Hebrews 11 kind of heroic faith. And what I'm interested in is how do we have faith like that? How do we trust God when life is hard? How do we follow God when it doesn't make sense? How do we forgive those who hurt us or trust in him when everything falls apart or take steps to risk everything on God because his glory matters more than anything? Where does faith come from? And the answer the Bible gives us is faith comes from the word of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says this, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you're like me, you have to acknowledge that sometimes throughout your life, faith is really tough. I feel oftentimes like the man in the Gospels who said to Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like I have faith, but then I don't have faith. I trust you, but I don't. So I want to know, where does faith come from? And the Bible says faith comes from hearing the word of God. And as we go through this series, what you're going to see in Hebrews 11 is that every time someone steps out in faith, they're not just waking up in the morning going, ah, I'm going to have faith today. But they're waking up and they're responding to God who has spoken to them. Faith is always a response to something that God has said. And so if we're going to be a people of faith, we have to know God's word. And that means, first, we've got to be in the Bible. There is no magic here. There is no secret application to become a person of faith other than sticking your nose in the book and letting the words of Scripture pour over your soul because that's God's word to you. And all faith is a response to what God has said. All faith is a response to what God has spoken to his people in his written word. And so one of the things we're going to keep coming back to during this series is the importance of scripture, the importance of the Bible in the life of the Christian. But it's not just God's word written, because even that, as important as it is, it's not enough. 
We need God's word, not just in written form, but in human form. And it's no wonder that when Jesus is described all throughout the New Testament, he's described as the word, the word, because Jesus is God's living word to you. Jesus is literally God's self-revelation. And all faith, any faith, is a response to him. It's a grabbing hold of him. It's a trusting in him. Not just ideas, but in a person. Not just in religious sentiment, but in someone who shed his blood and died for you. In just a moment, we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to come to the Lord's table. Do you know what it is when you hold the bread and the cup in your hand? You are holding God's living word to you. And you are responding in faith to God who says, I love you so much that I died for you. And I so defeated death and evil that there's a feast waiting for you in my kingdom. Your sins are forgiven and your future is certain. That's what coming to the table means. We look back to Christ's finished work and we look forward to Christ's coming kingdom. And it's looking at Jesus, our living word that builds faith. So the ultimate application of a sermon like this is not go out there and try to have faith. It's look at Jesus and see what he's done. Feast on him and we'll become people of faith. Let's pray for that right now as we come to the table. Our God, thank you for Hebrews chapter 11. Thank you for these examples of faith. And now we pray that you would so feed and nourish us as we come to this table, that you would help us to be a people who trust you and trust in your promises as we grasp hold of the one who has laid hold of us, as we rest in Jesus, our Savior and our King. We pray now that his love would be more real to us as we come to this table praying in Jesus' name, amen.